We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So we are continuing Shahab Ahmad, What is Islam? On page 87 with the paragraph that begins, A Relatively Economical Means. Who's reading? I can read. Oh, okay. A relatively economical means by which to encapsulate the way in which poetry as song functioned as the prodigious, prodigious, recitatory, recitatory, and performative vehicle for the circulation in society at large of concepts, values, meanings, and norms that we might otherwise consider to be restricted to the high intellectual cultures of elites, culture of elites, is via the Indus Valley genre of Gafi. A Gafi is a Sufi poem composed expressly to be sung. The following Gafi is by the most celebrated poet of the Siraiki language. Is that right? I don't even know. Spoken today by close to 20 million people. Uh, Khwaja Ghulam Farid of Multan. Have you heard of Ghulam Farid? He's very, very famous. Khwaja Ghulam Farid was a was heir to a line of Chishti peers, custodians of a shrine and tariqa at Mithankoth in the district of Dira Ghazi Khan in the very heart of the Indus Valley, who himself had a thorough formal education and whose leading disciple and patron was the ruler of the state of Bahawalpur, Amir Sadiq Muhammad Khan IV. The poetry of Khwaja Ghulam Farid was, however was, and is to this day, widely sung to popular and often illiterate audiences at Sufi shrines throughout the Indus Valley, and is now readily accessible in song on YouTube. The following is one of Khwaja Ghulam Farid's most famous and widely sung kafis, the content of which is highly instructive to, present, to the present demonstrative purpose. We have to say... Okay, you don't. <laughs> Am I saying this right? Khwaja? Yeah. yeah. Khwaja Ghulam Farid. I mean, the W is a little bit more subtle. Khwaja. Okay. Khwaja. Khwaja mere Khwaja. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Akbar. So, continue. Yeah. Oh, real true beauty, beginningless light, shall I call you necessary, or shall I call you contingent possible? Shall, shall I call you creator, pre-eternal self-essence, Shall I call you a new event? Shall I call you a creation in this world? Shall I call you absolute pure existence? Shall I call you the becoming known of the originary archetypes? Shall I call you the essence of the reality of quiddity? Shall I call you the display of attributes and acts? Shall I call you species? Shall I call you positions? Shall I call you modes? Shall I call you measures? Shall I call you highest heaven? Shall I call you the celestial spheres? Shall I call you grace and blessing and wisdom? Shall I call you spirit? Shall I call you matter? Shall I call you vegetable, animal, or human? Shall I call you mosque, or temple, or convent? Shall I call you pothi? Poti? Or shall I call you Qur'an? Shall I call you rosary? Shall I call you cast string? Shall I call you unbelief? Shall I call you faith? Shall I call you rain cloud? Shall I call you thunder? Shall I call you lightning? Shall I call you downpour? Shall I call you water? Shall I call you earth? Shall I call you wind? Shall I call you fire? Shall I call you Dasrat, Bishman, or Ram? Shall I call you Sita, my darling one? Shall I call you Mahadev? Shall I call you Bhagwan? Shall I call you Gita, Granth, or Veda? Shall I call you Noah? Or shall I call you Flood? 
Shall I call you Abraham? Shall I call you friend? Shall I call you Moses, son of Imran? Shall I call you Ahmed of the high office? Shall I call you the beloved of every heart? Shall I call you Huri, fairy lass, or handsome lad? Handsome lad. <laughs> Sajid, you are a handsome lad. Thank you. Shall I call you Blush? Shall I call you Kol? Shall I call you Pan? Shall I call you Beauty, Embellishment, and Adornment? Shall I call you Tabla or Tambur? Shall I call you Dholak? Shall I call you Meter or Notebee? Shall I call you Love? Shall I call you Science? Shall I call you Suspicion, Prehension, Conviction, Notion? Shall I call you Sensing? Shall I call you Faculty of Discernment? Shall I call you Tasting? Shall I call you Rapture? <coughs> Shall I call you Submission? Shall I call you Variegation? Shall I call you Fixity? Shall I call you Knowing by Self? Shall I call you Hyacinth? Iris? Cypress? Shall I call you the Ungovernable Narcissus? Shall I call you the Scarred Tulip? Shall I call you Garden? Shall I call you Rose Garden? Shall I call you Flower Garden? Shall I call you Drunkenness or Drunk? Shall I call you Bewilderment or Bewildered? Shall I call you Without Color? Shall I call you Without Any Likeness? Shall I call you Without Form? Shall I call you Every Every Moment? So what is this whole poem? What is he asking over and over again? Uh, what to call God? Yeah, so not only what to call God, but, like but what even... What to think of God as. Yeah, so it begins with, O oh, true reality, and then how do I conceive of you? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could write a whole tafsir on, on, on all these lines. You know, the specific things he's choosing, these are not, how do you say, uh, arbitrary. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, just looking briefly, whether it's through the names of the prophets or through the things in nature, or through the places where he has worshipped, or just through the categories of things, um, or through the different flowers, etc. You know, all these things that are wonderful and beautiful. Uh, which of these things, if any of them, um, should I use to help me conceive of you? Right? But what is the point we're making here? This is how people are being taught deen. Okay, okay continue. Is um, yeah. Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, did he sing it? So, uh, I, I just looked it up. so Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, I mean, so Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan is a very, very classical Awali uh, singer was. Right, yeah. and so I wouldn't be surprised if, if yeah, there is a recording of of this on YouTube. Okay, yeah. So this is this the genre of Qawwali music. So it becomes Qawwali. Okay. This yeah. is like the early. Yeah, so these are like the lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. called Kafi, like the. This yeah, Kafi. I'm not as familiar with. Yeah, okay. But I'm assuming, um, Qawwali begins earlier than these dates that they have here. But I'm guessing uh, it's essentially the same thing, and I'm probably totally illustrating my ignorance on the topic of Kafi. Because yeah. like. One of the du'as people say when they give medicine is like, Ya Shafi, Ya Kafi. Yeah. It's the name of Allah. Uh-huh. So what does that mean? So, so Ya Shafi is, you know, the you one who heals. Mm-hmm. Kafi is like, you're sufficient. Okay. Yeah. Is that related or is it a different language? Maybe? Could be. I mean, I don't think it's related, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we always say, Ba'andose Kafi. And I always thought that was like, Kafi. <laughs> Trans- <laughs> translate Ba'andose Kafi. Ba'andose Kafi is like, like that's enough is what it means but literally it means to the extent of I thought I meant coffee like actually uh, coffee the drink yeah meaning that's sufficient oh, yeah my goodness. okay, that's <laughs> okay continue. <laughs> regrettably space does not allow here for the full explication that this coffee deserves 
Suffice it here to observe that the poem, and thus its singer and its audience, addresses itself to God by asking how a Muslim, poet, singer, and audience, should conceive of God. It explores this question by invoking a wide compass of concepts, values, references, and images that range from Abyssinian philosophy, uh, necessary, contingent, possible, pre-eternal self-essence. Okay, so these are all basically... These are concepts that are being used to help to figure out how to define Allah. And in the context of Shahab Ahmad's book, I mean, one is using Abyssinian philosophy, which is Aristotelian philosophy, meaning from a philosophical perspective, uh, do we understand Allah? And Neoplatonic emanationism, yeah. highest heaven, celestial spheres, spirit, matter, vegetable, animal, human. So, I mean, in simple language, what are we saying? One way people are trying to conceive of, of, of Allah is by focusing not so much on what is Allah, but the necessity that there has to be an Allah, right? Like the first cause argument. Like, okay. Another is looking at Allah, uh, pardon the language, as a thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that emanationism? Yeah. Okay. Meaning, emanation meaning how does it like self-disclose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To Sahrawardian illuminationism, mm -hmm. beginningless light, that's a little bit harder to describe in simple language. The idea, basically, like of Ishraq philosophy, is that you know, more along the lines of how how does how does Allah self disclose? How does He reveal Himself? But the idea being that Him revealing Himself is something great. Yeah. Yeah. To Akbarian intellectual Sufism, absolute pure existence, becoming known of the originary archetypes, um, display of attributes and acts. Yeah, that's that's beyond me to to explain. Okay, continue. Who was Akbar again? Uh, uh, so this is uh, uh, this is probably not Akbar of the Mughals. Yeah, yeah, uh, I understood yeah. this as Ibn Arabi. Okay. Um, so, uh, but this could be Akbar the Mughal. Yeah. Was he was he like a philosopher in that sense? Uh, Akbar, you know, was was this emperor who was known for inventing this religious outlook called Dina Ilahi, mm -hmm. which is basically saying all the different religions have the same goal to get to God. Right. Yeah. I am guessing this is not him. Mm -hmm. To the madhab, madhabi ashq. So what's this? That's the madhab of love, which is yeah, the... Yeah, so passionate love. Right, right. Was that Sufis or philosophers? I mean, you'll find this in the Sufis, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the Sufis um, will have a whole bunch of different strands. The one we think of most often today would be the, the, the path of, of love. Yeah. And that was, I think, was mentioned earlier, too. Yeah. Uh, real true beauty, beloved of every heart, hoodi, fairy lass, handsome lad, love, uh, sita, my darling one. Mm -hmm. um, to the textbook questions of Gelan theology and philosophy, essence of the reality of quiddity, species, positions, modes, measures, suspicion, prehension, conviction, notion. Yeah, so, so here, Kalam is, uh, in other languages, often called dialectical theology. It's basically, generally speaking, it's what are our answers to their theological questions. So one of the big debates back then, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, 1200 years ago, was is the Qur'an part of Allah or not? Meaning, does the Qur'an have an origin, or did it always exist? And that comes from the question, what's the relationship between the Son and the Father in, in terms of Jesus and the Father in Christianity, right? And so the conclusion there was that Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. Okay. And, but the point is, here, another way that people try to define Allah is through these rational arguments. Okay. When you say it's um, answering their questions, who is their... 
So any other group that's around us. So like, think of what are the big questions of the day, like the relationship between religion and science, mm -hmm. as it manifests, especially in the conversation on evolution. Mm -hmm. So evolution is not really a question for us. It doesn't really affect us. But because everyone else is talking about it, it affects us that way. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's always changing then, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, different topics do different times. Right. Um, to Sufi experiential knowing, tasting, rapture. To music and oral sensation, dhulak, tambur, tabla, mirror, nopi. To the natural phenomenon, phenomena of the seen world, water, <laughs> fire, narcissus, tulip. Yeah, so, so a couple of these are also very interesting. Another way, how do we get to conceive of Allah through this experience? This is, um, what's his book, uh, Poshayri's book, uh, where we, we go into all these different ways to experience Allah, or all these different ways for the door to open to connect to Allah, which are all experiential, like the taste of Iman, or the rapture, like this, this uh, loss of rationality that you get by getting closer to Allah, because it's so wonderful. Then even through the arts, especially through music, you know, and then, of course, the scene world. All of these, I mean, this is a very, very fascinating poem. Yeah. To the narratives of Quranic prophetology, Noah, Abraham, Muhammad. Mm -hmm. That one, I think, is straightforward. Yeah. The local Indian environment, both physical and cosmological, furnishes a meaningful vocabulary for the universal register of Atharian slash Suhrawardian exploration of the possibilities of pantheism and truth relativism. Shall I call you Poti? Or shall I call you Quran? Shall I call you Gita, Grant, or Veda? Uh, the fundamental Akbarian question of the relationship between divine transcendence and divine immanence, tasbih and tanzih, is here couched in an Indic vocabulary as the question of the relationship between the supreme deity, Mahadev, Bhagwan, and specific deities, Dasrat, Bichman, and Ram. It is. It's, I mean, it's all continuing the same point. Mm -hmm. The only thing he's adding here is that a lot of this, uh, because of the environment in which, in which Ghulam Farid was present, which was the Indian subcontinent, a lot of this is also speaking through their language, through the language of the Hindus. So like Poti, Gita, Granth, are these, yeah. are these Hindu deities? Uh, Poti, I'm not as familiar with. Gita is a book, Veda is a book. So Granth, I mean, I'm assuming is also a book. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Gita is the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. Right, Vedas, the Vedas, which is all these collections, historical collections, and so, so the point being that, um, how is someone getting the sense of of how do you think of Allah, how do you interact with Allah? You could teach it by way of hadith. That's what we commonly think of today, but through much of history, it's happening this way. You know, people are raising these questions today. Now, when we look at this stuff, this is almost looked at as fine art, right? You know, a qawal is coming to Loyola, and so the people who are going to come to watch him will be of a specific socioeconomic class. Mm -hmm. um, but back then, this was the uh, very often the language of the masses. Mm -hmm. And the way hip-hop is today for a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, hip-hop is not just music for a lot of people. Yeah. It's raising all these questions about, about life. And, and I mean, there's the, the corporate hip-hop, which is all about money. But, I mean, a lot of hip-hop for the last 20 years is really raising questions for people or expressing what people are thinking about. I can't, like, is... So, I, th I can't imagine a society without some sort of, like, common art form, right? Um, I think, like, the only difference between societies, or, like, one of the differences is that, is what the message of the common art form is, right? Sure. Um, I want to say yes, but it seems like you're saying more than what I think. 
Like, it's not a fully formed thought, but I'm saying, like, I can't imagine a society without, like, for example, music or yeah. without some sort of common, you know... Mm-hmm. That yeah, like poetry at the time of the yeah, prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the difference between a society and one society and another society is, like, what the content of that art form is. The content and the method. And often it will be... Both of those will be organically connected not only to the people but to the environment. In the way architecture, if you think of the ingredients that are used for buildings... Yeah that'll tie in directly to the location you're in, right? Right, And it'll tie into the resources that are available as well as to the weather. Okay? And then the colors will become very cultural, right? So you look at the buildings down in Florida, they're all like pastels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they could be like a, a, a city hall. When we think of a city hall, it's going to be like gray, right? Yeah. And, and that part is cultural. Mm-hmm. But um, the, uh, the material used is more than off more often than not going to be something local within reach otherwise it'll be super expensive and and so that then becomes organic and thus the art is often very very organic today's world because of technology i mean almost everyone has access to the same instruments so to speak online and so it'll be interesting to to see how art plays out over the next few decades can it be argued that um god is all of this would you say that God is Noah? No, but like you can find God in all of this. Like, cause like God mm-hmm. isn't obviously, you know, Tobel, like he's not a vegetable, mm-hmm. but you can see God, you can find God through all of this. So if we rephrase this from the literal translation of shall I call you to uh, uh, a meaningful translation, like, can I connect to you through mm-hmm. then perhaps all of these? But the risk would be on the references to other traditions because right. that risks um, justifying or legitimizing other traditions, which could be the intention of the author. Right. Right. But yeah, can I get an appreciation of a law from a rose? Yeah. Can okay. I, Go ahead. Can I, shall I call you unbelief? Uh-huh. So there, this is when you get into like some of the metaphysical Sufi stuff, right? That it's like, how to connect to Allah, you remove everything away. So let's put it like this. Okay, Allah Ta'ala is not bound by whatever it is I imagine him to be, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And is it fair to say that Allah Ta'ala, uh, the meanings of the attributes of Allah Ta'ala are according to whatever he says they are? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the actual meaning of that is whatever Allah Ta'ala says he is. Okay. So he's definitely not bound by my understanding of the meanings of those words. Yeah, so far so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also not bound by what he is saying is the meaning of these these attributes. Meaning he can change it anytime. He can. Uh, I don't even know how uh, he or what he would do, <clears throat> but he's not bound by it. And then on top of that, he's not bound by even having attributes. So these are all like choices that God made to have can. or can potentially make to have. And the key point is that he's not bound by anything. Mm-hmm. And if anything, he's bound by things he says he's bound by. Like if I make a dua, he is answering it. Mm-hmm. When is up to him, right? right. Uh, if he makes a promise to me, he is going to keep it, uh-huh. right? But beyond that, he's uh, he hasn't uh, chosen to be bound by anything. But so those those things are things that he chose to be bound by. He's the one who chose it. Okay, like for example, he like said um, that he forbade injustice on himself. Right? Yeah. So something like that is like him choosing to not. Be unjust. Yeah. 
But maybe he only just chose it for us. Like, that's our understanding of it. Well, the real meaning would be whatever he says it is. Yeah. yeah. So. And so the point is that he's not bound by whatever we define the meaning to be. And so what we're saying is that he's not even bound by the idea of Iman. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> Thus, unbelief. But that's what, so that's why I feel like even though he's, um, in this poem, like he's referring to other, like other scripts of other religions. Possibly, yeah. Um, if he's doing that, like even that doesn't necessarily take away from God, because if a person uh-huh. <clears throat> in their own belief can connect to God, although some fundamental things would be, well, I guess not fundamental, but like if some aspects of it are wrong, the fundamental will still be the same. That's up to God to decide. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't know. Yeah. This makes sense to me. I feel like the, remember the poem we talked about where, um, or the chapter we talked about where the philosopher slash Sufi was like unbound by Sharia because they mm-hmm. were, they had reached some sort of enlightenment where mm-hmm. they knew that this was like, that, that, that the Quran was for masses and people and so that. Yeah. So, I'm trying to form a like a coherent thought, but I can't. How would you connect those two things? So I'd say uh, they are uh, not necessarily related, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except to say that Allah Ta'ala is not bound by anything at all, including he's not bound by the Quran, mm-hmm. but he has bound himself, mm-hmm. right? And and so the masses and stuff, I don't know that, that them being unbound, seeing themselves as unbound, you know, by the Quran, um, I don't know if I'd connect the two, okay. or, or maybe I'm not seeing a connection right now in my head. But the key point being that Allah Ta'ala is whatever Allah Ta'ala is or chooses to be, mm-hmm. which means that even is does not necessarily apply to him. Is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where Paul Tillich, uh, you know, one of my favorite lines in Christian theology, Paul Tillich is this, this modern-day theologian. He died not too long ago. And he says that God does not exist, and he's a Christian theologian. But what is he actually saying? He's saying the idea of existence does not apply to God. So then, like, what are, like, our perception of God is that he gave us these instructions and that we do them yeah. to to attain, attain salvation, basically, right? Yeah. So then, like, I feel like that argument could lead to you just saying that nothing matters and then... Meaning, meaning... Um, like, hell doesn't exist then and then you don't exist, like... What I is, mean, it, that would be the a one way to take it all. Mm-hmm. But the key point being that uh, whatever it is that I am, uh, whatever means I am to using to approach a law, which includes how I conceive of a law, mm-hmm. is not going to capture a law. Okay. That's right? That's like when I was a kid, I don't even know why, I was such a big nerd, um, that I used to wrestle with the fact that Allah Ta'ala could be defined by this word Allah. Okay. I mean, I mean, I was deep for that one point. I'm thinking I had too many other really deep thoughts, but, and and so I'd wrestle with that. Like, okay, how can you have a word that defines Allah, and it's such a small word? It should be like infinity long, right? But the basic point is ultimately that it was Allah's will to be defined by that word, and so when we're saying submission. We're saying complete submission essentially becomes me erasing everything of myself, especially my will, and I completely surrender my will to Him. Does Allah define Allah, or does like the word does the word define Him, or does does just like 
representing. Yeah, that's the debate. That's the, the those are the questions that it raises. It's just the uh, you can say the identity tag. Mm. Like if I say the word Allah, you and I are thinking in theory of the same. We may not be thinking of the same the same way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that becomes a function of language. But isn't that also essentially... I mean, every single word has a different meaning to every single person. Yeah, that's that's part of the challenge, and that's kind of like what he's talking about here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if I talk about a similar experience with the same exact words that you talk about, and you yeah. talk about, it would have two very different meanings. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the key point overall, however, what are we saying? Uh, it's through song and art and such that people were learning their dean. Okay. Um, and so we're also saying it's fair to assume that education, mass literacy, is not was not as widespread then as it is now, for example, in a place like the United States, right, where you taught this whole curriculum. They're learning. I mean, their careers are probably handed down from family to fa- family member to family member, right? Do you think that type of education is more um, beneficial or like institutionalized? I mean, they all have their strengths, they all have their weaknesses. Institutionalized uh, tends to lean towards average versus above average, but you educate more people. And then the one-on-one type thing is going to focus much more on a culture of excellence, but not as many people uh, will be educated because it just takes so long. So, yeah. Alrighty, I think uh, we should stop right here. What time is it? 1.30. It's already 1.30. Alright, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nasakfiru kanatubu ilayk wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.